Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Overcoming Emptiness by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. This morning as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual ears and our hearts to hear from you, we ask in your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, um, you'd like to meet me in Luke chapter 18, because it's Mother's Day, I've cut my message from two hours down to an hour. So they said, they said preach as long as you like, Pastor, we leave at 11. <coughs> uh, today is our uh, second instalment of our Overcoming series, and last week, for those that were here, we looked at Overcoming the Flesh, and today we're going to look at Overcoming Emptiness, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment, but uh, the next two weeks we will look at Overcoming Confusion. I believe... The greatest tool and ploy of the enemy is to increase confusion amongst the church. Confusion about who we are and confusion about God's will. So uh, a lot of people struggle to know for themselves what God's will is. Um, And then we have our healing service. And I just wanted to announce this morning on the 6th of June, um, kind of a follow on from the next two parts. We're going to look at coming into the calling of God. This year, it's very important that from this year, I believe, that each and every one of us here start to step into the God's calling for us. Uh, you're here for a reason, uh, a reason that God put you on this planet for, and we would like to kind of sound a trumpet for you to start stepping into that. So that's a long way away yet, but on the 6th of June. But today I want to look at overcoming emptiness. And it might sound like, is that something that kind of, is that even prevalent in the church? Is that something that we should be thinking about? Well, it's not only prevalent in the church, I believe, but it's also outside the walls. Many people are empty. Many people are trying to fill a hole inside of themselves. I believe it was Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician that said, we are all born with a God-shaped hole and we try to cram other things in there to try and fill that hole. But there's only one thing that fills that hole. Of course, that is God. Uh, uh, In a moment, we'll unpack more about what emptiness is and what the Bible describes as emptiness. But I appreciate it for those, John and a couple of others that are military-minded here this morning. I appreciated a a movie that impacted me deeply. It was called Lone Survivor, for anybody that's seen the movie Lone Survivor. Uh, Lone Survivor, in brief, is the movie about four Navy SEALs that are sent on a mission in Afghanistan. True story. Uh, It's got a beautiful ending, but I won't quite get to that today. But uh, these guys uh, are sent on a mission uh, to knock off a guy uh, who's a pretty bad guy in the Taliban. But when they get there, they stumble across some goat herders in the mountains. Now, communication is low and uh, they can't get communications out. They can't sort of ring back and say, hey, what should we do? So they make a decision to let these guys go and they turn around behind them. uh, The part of the movie that struck me the most is they turn around behind them and they can see the summit and they say, by the time these guys get into the village, we can make the summit, send out word and get a chopper in here and get us out of here. So they make the decision to let the guys go And just as they thought, the guys ran down into the village and alerted everybody that there was four Navy SEALs on the hill. And just as they anticipated, they made that summit, (laughs) only to find out that it was what they call a false summit. It was actually a ridgeline. And they were still a great deal away from the top of the mountain. And they couldn't get communications out. And for those that have watched the movie or know the story, Lone Survivor means one came back, three others did not. They all perished on the mountain, apart from one. But I believe that so many of us look at 
ridge lines in our lives and we think, if I can just get to the top, I'll have all the meaning in my life, I'll have all the fulfilment in my life. And those ridge lines in our lives, as we will see in a moment from somebody who took this journey before us, we will see that those ridge lines look like career, it might look like money and wealth and social status. We try to build our lives on many other things. We, we think we get to the top. We think emptiness belongs just to people who are at rock bottom and have, and have reached the shipwreck on the shores of life. But increasingly, we are finding those that we kind of call the up and outs guys that are, or ladies as well, that reach the top of their careers, ladies that reach the top, or men that reach the top of their sporting careers and accolades, and when they get there, they go, I'm just as empty as I was when I started this journey. In fact, I think I'm emptier, because I thought I'd find fulfilment here, and I'm empty. And there's a reason they're empty. Nothing in this world can fill that hole. No pursuit in this world can fill that Whole. But what do we mean by emptiness? <clears throat> Before we get to Luke chapter 18, I'd like to introduce you to one of the books that nobody, by the way, hardly anybody ever preaches from. It's called the Book of Ecclesiastics. I actually, think it's one of my favourite books in the Old Testament. The reason nobody preaches from the book of Ecclesiastes is many people say it's just a pessimistic view of life. Uh, it's the ramblings of a madman and most of it is based on fruition and lies. Well, they're right, but... What we do find is somebody actually lifts the lid on life. We will actually find if we, and we have done, for those that we hear when we uh, work through climbing the mountain of meaning, we worked through a series in Ecclesiastes. And we found that one man decided to try and fill that hole, and that man was Solomon. He writes the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, he begins by saying, uh, vanity of vanities. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 3 says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And what he's saying is, All of life is vanity. Uh, The Hebrew word there is hevel, and it actually means vapour or smoke. And what uh, Solomon wants us to know is uh, he has gone on a journey and discovered that all the pursuits and the ridgelines in life, they're all empty. Uh, Life kind of gives us like a smoke. Life kind of has a form and a shape about it, but when you try to grab hold of it, there's nothing there. He would say that life is like a vapour and a smoke and and just like smoke, it blows away and it's gone. Some people are on this earth far too short a time. Some may be here for too long. But what the preacher found out was, because that's what Ecclesiastes means together, what the preacher found was life is empty. So Solomon goes on a journey, and uh, I'm going to quickly take you through his journey before we come to another man that was enormously empty when he approached Christ. And Solomon goes on a journey, and he says, you know what, I'm going to test my heart with pleasure. And here's a man that had the means. If you took Solomon into today's society, if you transferred his wealth into today's economy, he makes Bill Gates look like a kindergarten kid. Solomon had amassed enormous wealth. Solomon lived in a time when Israel enjoyed great peace. You read the time of Solomon, no war. He knew great peace. He knew great comfort. He knew enormous prosperity. He says, I will test my heart with pleasure. So what does he do? He builds enormous palaces. He builds enormous uh, pools and gardens. He, he, He has all of these wives and concubines. And all the men said, wasn't one enough? 
And we live in a very hedonistic society and that basically means we try to find all of our fulfilment and satisfaction in the pleasures of life and one man's been there before us and he says, you know what, I've climbed that mountain, there's nothing there. And for men in this room, this will probably apply more, but he climbed to the top of the mountain of career and work. He, he, he decided that he was going to consider work and toil, it says, in chapter 2. And, and how many of us men, what's the first question we ask each other when we first meet ourselves? <laughs> what, what do you do with yourself? Why? Because our identity is quite often wrapped up in our career. And as men, we try to get to the top. I've been in the secular world long enough to know that people will trample you very quickly to get to the top. Solomon would go on and say that he has explored knowledge and wisdom and learning. People say, I just need to have more knowledge. I need to have more learning. He says, I've got all of that. And when I climb those mountains, I find that they're just as empty. In fact, by the time he gets to chapter 5 in Ecclesiastes, he says, he who loves money will not be satisfied. And what he's basically saying is, so often in life, satisfaction is sold separately. We're looking for satisfaction in the things of this world. We, we chase empty and vain relationships sometimes. We, we try to find fulfillment in every other area. Solomon came up empty. And what Solomon wants everybody else to know is, I've climbed those mountains, I've taken that journey, I've stood on top of every single one of those ridgelines, and he says, I felt just as empty as when I started. He lifts the lid on life, and he says things like, uh, uh, he highlights what I like to call the Bradbury principle. Anybody ever heard of Stephen Bradbury? Yeah, everybody's heard of Stephen Bradbury, right? The, everybody knows Bradbury was the ice skater that won because everybody else fell over. And I remember in a documentary, he went on to explain how how great an athlete he was and enormously lucky too, right? Oh, but you don't know, I was a great athlete and I trained hard to get into the final. Yes, but you were a long way behind before anybody fell over. And the Bradbury principle is simply this. In chapter uh, 9, Solomon goes on and says, you know what, I've discovered in life that the race doesn't always go to the swift. The battle isn't always to the brave. Lone Survivor was the story of four very brave men. The battle doesn't always go their way. Ever notice how sometimes bad things happen to good people? Ever notice how sometimes good things happen to bad people? What Solomon was trying to tell us as we work our way through Ecclesiastes is that this world has nothing you can grab onto or build your life on. In fact, the overarching principle is this. Life is very empty and until you accept that, you will not find meaning and you will not find fulfilment. Why? Because until you accept that, you won't look outside of this world. And there are actually two characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's the author and then there is also Solomon, who is the teacher. And at the end, the author concludes the whole message with this. The end of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Because as Solomon discovered, you can have all the wealth. You could be at the top of your game career-wise or sport-wise, like I was when I played AFL. If you believe that, you'll believe anything. 
Now, AFL is where they kick the ball, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> Fear God and keep his commandments. I want to talk about another man that found himself empty. And we find in the person of Jesus how he answers this man. In Luke chapter 18, verse 18, we are introduced to a ruler. Verse 18 says, And a ruler asked him, approaching Jesus, a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Interesting question we'll get back to in a moment. But who even is this ruler and what is going on here? Uh, This is actually listed, this story is listed in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, not in the Gospel of John. But it is in the other three, and every time we get a little bit more information about who this ruler is. Uh, Some places he's a young man, some places he's a very rich, wealthy young ruler. But what we do know from all three accounts is this, that he had enormous wealth, that he would have been the leader of a local synagogue, which would have afforded him enormous social status. Uh, When this guy walked down the street, people went out of their way to say hello, kind of like when... Lynn walks down the street. I know what you're going to say. It's Mother's Day. I have to. I know. It's like when you walk down the street, Rob. Yeah, it's Mother's Day. But he had enormous social status. We are going to learn about this man that he was enormously religious and very, very zealous at it. I mean, he was, this guy was good. I mean, when Jesus lists off the commandments, you know, you know the commandments, do these, we'll get to those in a moment. This guy goes, yeah, but I've done all those. He was, he was enormously religious. He was a, a well-respected leader in his local village. He was enormously wealthy. So has anybody addressed the elephant in the room? What's he doing coming to Jesus then? The reason he's coming to Jesus is he realises this guy's got something I ain't got. Same reason Nicodemus comes in John chapter 3. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And it's interesting, uh, overcoming, I'm gonna, overcoming emptiness, number one, uh, overcoming emptiness is not a process of adding anything to your life. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And Jesus never came, if you read the Gospels, Jesus never came to add more to our to-do list. Jesus came to transform our to-be list. Finding fulfilment in this life is not about what else I can do, what else I can find, what else I can add to my life. As we are going to see, in fact, by the time we're finished with this young man, we're going to find that finding fulfilment in this life, meaning in this life, is about what you remove out of your life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And what I love about Jesus is often we make the mistake of thinking that Jesus came to offer us free tickets on the train to heaven. I'm chucking out free tickets to heaven as if Jesus came to open the way to a destination. Jesus came to open the way to a person and a relationship. And what this rich young ruler needs to realise is you need to get off the religion train and you need to get on the relationship train. Because you are not going to find fulfilment and meaning in this life until you're in connection with the one who put you together in the womb. Overcoming emptiness is not about what you add to your life, but the pursuit of meaning is found in what we often subtract from our lives. The question that this young ruler should have asked Jesus is not what must I do, but rather who must I be? 
We live in a society today that is enormously confused. More about that in the next couple of weeks. However, a lot of, uh, a lot of the LGBTQ community, a lot of the, those that are confused over gender, they think everybody in the church hates them. They think that we're all against them, but they are enormously confused and they're enormously empty. Do you know that the suicide rate amongst the LGBTQ community is the highest anywhere. And they tell us they're in the pursuit of happiness. You know what? The need for them and the need for everybody is the same. That's, that's the message of Jesus. Jesus didn't come with a message for those in the LGBT community alone. He didn't come for a message for those that are confused about gender. He didn't come with a message for just adulterers. He came for a message for everyone, and that was, you must repent. He came to highlight the fact that God is here and we're here, and the only way we can get there is across the bridge of his cross. I love uh, what happens next. (laughs) Jesus has a way. uh, I wish I could communicate like Jesus. Jesus has a way of unravelling people. Like, uh, he goes on and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 19, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. I love it when Jesus asks questions. When Jesus is asking a question, by the way, he's not looking for information. When Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, who does everybody say that I am? By the way, every answer they gave was a supernatural answer. Some say John the Baptist, he was dead. Some say Elijah, he died a long time ago. So they obviously attributed something supernatural to Jesus. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? He doesn't need the answer, he knows. He wants Peter to know. You know, when, uh, in, right back in Genesis chapter 3, when God comes down to the garden and says to Adam, where are you? <laughs> it wasn't like, hang on a second, where did I put that dude? No, he knew exactly where Adam was. He wanted Adam to know where, what did Adam say? Well, I was hiding. Why were you hiding? Because there's sin in my heart and now there's a problem here. There wasn't a problem with God. You ever notice that in the garden? You ever notice that sin entered the world, God didn't change? God came down in the cool of the evening and he couldn't find man. God is still asking today, where are you, by the way? Why do you call me good? Uh, No one is good except God. And I love this question, why? Because uh, what is happening here is, uh, if you're saying I'm good, then you're saying that I am God and we need to have a completely different conversation. In fact, that word good in the Greek speaks about completeness and wholeness. What this rich young ruler recognised was that completeness and wholeness was found in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you are attributing that to me, then we need to have a completely different conversation. Overcoming emptiness, number two, is cease allowing Jesus to be an addition to our lives. You notice... Notice the rich young ruler wants to add to his resume here. What must I do? Uh, Often we think that we can just renovate the back of our house and just tack God onto the back. Uh, We think that Jesus came and uh, just wanted to be a little bit of an addition to our life. So many people like to add Jesus to our lives. It's like we're dating Jesus. It's 
we date Jesus forever, but we never meet him at the altar. And uh, what Jesus wants this rich young ruler to know, and we're going to expose this more, is that if you really want to find wholeness and completeness and meaning in your life, then God needs to stop being this little back room. Don't we build a little back room for God? You know, we just put an extension on the back of our lives. There you are, Jesus. You can live there. And then we go back into our house. House is empty. But then we find that when we go to the back room, that's empty as well, because God's never actually ever been in there. Because God didn't come to be a little extension at the back of your house. He came to be the house. You divide the rooms of your life up. But he must be the house. What did Jesus say? You need to rebuild your house on a different foundation. If Jesus is who he says he is, the most important question that anybody must answer is the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And if Jesus is who he says he is, there are enormous implications. Let's keep reading on. What do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And honour your father and mother, most particularly on Mother's Day. And what Jesus has just done there, out of the ten commandments, there are five that apply to our horizontal relationships. That is with everybody else. And there are five that apply to our vertical relationship. That is with God. And Jesus has just listed every one of the five that deal with our horizontal relationship. Why? Because there's no relationship. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. What a good little boy, hey? problem is he's kept all these commandments from his youth. What a good little boy. He's living the good life, you know, the, the Jewish dream, you know, the, owning the property and having 2.4 kids. Uh, Reuben's our point four. But he's enormously empty. And the truth of the matter is that just like this religious leader here, there are people that fill church pews every Sunday and leave just as empty as they walk in and you don't have to. The reason this story startles me so much is this is the account of a man that will walk away from Jesus as empty as he came because he didn't get it. Jesus goes on and says, he says, all these I've kept from my youth, but Jesus, when he heard this, said to him, one thing you still lack. And there are, for many of us in this room, we may even sit here and say, you know what, I I come to church, I I read my Bible sometimes, and uh, sometimes I go to life group, uh, but I just feel like I'm lacking something. I feel like something's missing in my life. I'm thirsty, pastor, and, and I'm dry on the inside. I've heard this in ministry circles all too often. And it's because we lose our place at the feet of Christ. Jesus says to this man, there's one thing you still lack. And uh, overcoming uh, emptiness number three is to change what it is that you love. Because the challenge that Jesus brings now, see, Jesus has challenged the throne of his heart already. You you know, you, you want to compete with God. God doesn't compete. God doesn't share his glory and God never shares his throne. But now he wants to challenge what it is that he loves. And if you leave here today and you sell your car and mortgage your house, then I have failed. 
because that's not what the answer is here. The answer for this rich young ruler was to go and sell everything that he had. Why? Because everything he had possessed him. Ecclesiastes teaches us that it's not wrong to be blessed in this life. In fact, Ecclesiastes says, whatever God puts in your lap, enjoy it. Live life. Cast your bread on the waters. Go out and enjoy life. But it's not about what you possess. It's about what possesses you. The problem with this rich young ruler was he lacked something. He was, he was destitute is what that word means. It means to fall short. Yes, you keep the rules and regulations. Yes, you've got your formulas down pat. and uh, It's kind of like, uh, remember Elijah on Mount Carmel with the altar? Uh, so often in church and in our own lives, we're, we're happy to shuffle the stones and, and reorganise the logs. But if we're, if, if we're really honest, there's no fire from heaven. And you don't have to live like that. We don't have to live our lives like that. Jesus came to fill those holes. I baptise you with water, says Jesus. You will be baptised with the Holy Spirit and with fire. One thing you still lack, you love everything in this world and we think we can do the dance, right? We think we'll find meaning and fulfilment. We'll just add God to our lives and we'll dance. And, and half of the time we'll dance over here with God and everything's hunky-dory. And then over here we'll, we still love the world, so we want to dance with the world. And, and we might be committed for a little while and then the flames burn out because we don't feed them. And when we sit alone and we answer the questions, the honest truth is, God, we are so empty. Jesus came in the first century. Isn't it interesting that when he wanted his disciples, he didn't go to the temple? He went and found the most holiest people on the planet, fishermen. (laughs) If you want anything done, find a fisherman, right? No, but he went to some ragtag, swearing, uneducated rough guys and he transformed the world with those men the one thing that this man lacked here was he had a love for the world and not a love for God Jesus comes to challenge what it is that we love go and sell, give it away abandon everything you have and then we move to the last part where we will find overcoming emptiness, let's read with what Jesus has to say here it says, he says, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Change your treasure and come follow me. That's the greatest invitation in the universe. Greatest invitation in the universe is extended to every single person and it is come follow me. Revolutionise the lives of 12 haphazard men, went on to revolutionise many other lives. I appreciate John Piper. For those that have not read John Piper's book, Do Not Waste Your Life, please read it. It's a great book. But at the start of that book, he explains in his young years how he yearned for the one thing in life that he could pour all of his life into. 
He said, I wanted one purpose in life. I wanted one direction in life. I wanted one pathway in life. And he said, I was confused because the world offers me all of these. He says, and then I found Jesus. And he find, he would, the book is about a man that found meaning, fulfillment, following in the footsteps of Jesus. The greatest invitation, which is extended to every single person in this room, was come follow me. And quite often we like to shuffle it around, don't we? Hey God, you come follow me. It doesn't work like that. Hey God, I'm going to run after my career and you can tag along if you want to, God. God doesn't tag along. The challenge that comes to us in this parable here, let's read on. But when he heard these things, that's the rich young ruler, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I love how this finishes. Those who heard it said then, who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Just as we finish this morning, we're not going to finish with a song this morning. We're going to scoot out and celebrate our mothers in a moment. But can we take just a few moments to stand in God's presence together? I want to close in prayer. And wherever you're at this morning, I just pray that where you are standing right now, that you would do business with God. If you you need us to pray with you, then come and grab myself or, or one of the prayer team after the service. But right now, as we stand in his presence, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will put his finger on your heart and... I want to ask you if you're feeling empty. I want to ask that, you know, when you're sitting alone and you don't have your spiritual Sunday makeup on, when it's just you bare before God, is there a hole there? You often feel empty and unfulfilled. Just like that rich young ruler, you don't have to leave that way. Jesus came so that we could have all the meaning and purpose in life. I challenge you today that if you find yourself the same, if you find yourself empty, if you find yourself that this life is fleeting and vanity, I want to challenge you today as we stand in his presence to change what it is that you love to stop adding things to your life and seek for Jesus to transform who you are. Instead of having a to-do list, let's have a to-be list. Jesus, as we stand in your presence, you're the only one that can fill the void that's in our hearts. We run to and fro, we dance with the things of this world, Our affections run to and fro, but I pray right now in this place that fires would be lit in people's hearts. I pray right now that as we stand before your presence that you would light a fire that wouldn't burn out. That for those that are empty, that they would come to Jesus, but not walk away sad, but come willing to release everything out of their lives.
Father, I pray that you would put your finger on those things in our lives that we need to sell. Those things, Lord God, that we need to give up and let go of so we can have more of you. I pray for every person that finds themselves empty, that Jesus, you would flood their hearts today. In the wonderful, glorious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.